Good afternoon and welcome to the Rail Oviedo podcast. You're listening to Chris Darwin and my very good friend John Mothershaw. Say hello, John. Good afternoon, Chris. We're recording a little bit early today due to other commitments, so it is currently about 20 to 4 in Spain on Sunday afternoon. Uh, the headline is Oviedo managed to con- not to concede from a set piece. So, John, now Hierro's fixed all that, we must be on the way to our title, surely? Definitely firm favourites for the title now, Chris. <laughs> um, nah, but it's a good platform, isn't it? You know, four games unbeaten, um, keeping it solid. I didn't actually get to see the game yesterday, um, but from all accounts, we defended well. And like you said in the headline, we uh, we managed to not concede from a set piece in an away game. So no, it's, it's got to no. be, be promising. Solid was definitely the word to use for for yesterday's game. Uh, it, it wasn't one for the for the purist, i.e. me. But uh, but no, it was a very very good good performance away from home against a team that started the day higher up than us in the table. Um, it wasn't just a case we didn't concede from a set piece. We actually defended set pieces pretty well as well, which was good. And other than one very good save that Juan Carlos had to make, other than that, he was pretty much untested. Um, I don't feel we offered a great deal going forwards, but that wasn't really the game plan for yesterday. It was very much go there, get a point, and if we can uh, if we can pick up anything else along the way, then so be it. But uh, no, it looks like Chiero's certainly got a game plan for the uh, for the away games. We we talked about uh, Mitchu in the previous podcast, John, and whether he would be likely to start uh, yesterday, and he did. Yeah. Um, playing in a again in a much deeper midfield role, um, which uh, which fitted into giving us the the defensive security, but he didn't really get on the ball as much or in the the areas that he probably would have hoped to 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 massively influence the influence the game. Have you had a chance to catch up on any of the highlights or anything at all, John, or has it just been a case of seeing the result? Well, I mean, I was looking at the La Liga highlights, but I mean to call them highlights is a bit generous. They literally showed the meet you shots. And the the Juan Carlos save you mentioned too, which looked a great save actually. He got down, got down well, didn't he? Kept out with the, the uh, his left hand side, but that that's pretty much all they showed. So is, I mean, is that a fair description of pretty much all that happened? Or? That is that is pretty much it. Pretty much it. Um, <laughs> right, okay. I, I I don't know if you recall England going away to Italy in about 1997 when we needed a point to qualify for the World Cup. Um, yeah, it, it felt very much like that. We we knew what we wanted to get out of the game yesterday, and we went there and we got it with, with minimal with minimal fuss, really. A few yellow cards, but to be fair, we were pretty cynical in some of our defending. So I think they were were pretty justified. Some of the uh, some of the yellow cards that that we picked up. Um, guys, there's not really a great deal to talk about from yesterday's game. We've told you the result. We've told you that we've defended set pieces quite well and Juan Carlos made a good save. That was pretty much all that happened. So we'll move on to the other results from the weekend. Uh, I'll read these out, John. Um, obviously, as we're recording a, a day earlier than we would normally, not all of the weekend's round of fixtures have been completed. So what we've got today uh, from the weekend so far, we'll start from yesterday. Lugo uh, were beaten 1-0 at home by Getafe. Alcacon and Almeria drew 0-0. Girona and Oviedo, as we've discussed, drew 0-0. It's been a great day for goals so far yesterday. Uh, Huesca uh, picked up a 3-0 win at home to Mirandez. And Levante beat Mallorca 2-1. Uh, today, uh, in the early kickoff, Elche got a 3-1 win at uh, at Zaragoza. So a huge win there for Elche, John. Yeah, um... 
that was probably the surprise result of the ones you've mentioned. Um, Zaragoza seems to be on a bit of a poor run, don't they? But it's a, it's a great win for Elche, that. It um, has, and it's uh, catapulted them up the table yet again, as it's so easy to do in, in this season's table. Yeah, Hitafe seems to be finally finding the feet as well. That's two wins on the trot for them. Good win away at Lugo. Yeah. So the table as it stands, as I say, with still a few of the games uh, still to play, for example, Cordoba still have to play and they're still sitting in third. Uh, Levante lead the way at the top of the table still with Lugo hot on their tails there. Uh, the one that you're obviously interested in, Oviedo, well, yesterday's result currently has us sitting in ninth place, which although, yeah, it's disappointing to have dropped down a couple of places, I actually think we're, we would take that following getting a good point away uh, away at Girona. Would you not agree, John? Definitely, yeah. I mean, it's, I was looking at the table and literally every team below us is yet to play. <laughs> so we might drop down a couple of places later on, maybe. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think if we look, yeah, we look at the teams below us. We're going to need some very favourable results to to be in uh, in ninth place by the time you guys are probably listening to this podcast. But again, we've got to look at who we were playing yesterday. Girona is uh, exactly. mentioned in the podcast uh, the other night. Have been in and around the playoffs for a couple of seasons now. Is that right? That's right, yeah. I, mean, I think it's, it's a good point. You know, if you were, I think we mentioned on the last podcast, we would have certainly accepted a point before the start. And by all by all accounts, we weren't too troubled, so we've got no. a deserved point. I mean, listening to the commentary on the on the stream that I was watching through, it was a Spanish guy commentating in English. So, first of all, fair play to him because he did an excellent job in his sec- second language. It wasn't Rudy, was it, Ronnie? No, I don't, I don't think it was. It didn't didn't sound like our good friend Rudy. But uh, but no, the the general theme of the commentary was how Girona need to be doing more in this game, and this is a good result for Oviedo if it stays as it as it is. So that was uh, that was clearly the the feelings in the uh, from from the pundit sort of leading up to the game as well. So so no, I think everyone will be will be happy with the results. Um, again, the performance defensively spot on, but uh, but we clearly didn't want to adventure too far in, into their half too often. Uh, we've mentioned we mentioned the surprising result of the of the weekend so far. Then with Elche picking up a, a great three one win. What what's happening next weekend, John? There's some decent ones next week, actually. Obviously, Oviedo are at home next week against Tenerife. So, unfortunately, um, we might not see much more on the uh, the excitement front. Tenerife are kind of renowned for their nil-nils and one-nil performances. Hopefully, we'll put the trend and get a comfortable win. Uh, elsewhere, there's Elche against Cordoba, Royce against Lugo, Hatafe at home to Huesca, Nemanthia at home to CAB. And probably the pick of the games, Rayo against Girona, uh, Mallorca at home to Alcocon, Valladolid against Zaragoza, Almeria at home to Nastic, Cadiz against UCAM, and leaders Levante travel to Mirandas. So they're looking strong, Levante, aren't they already? They are, and they're, they're travelling to Mirandas, who I do believe we've just announced lost 3-0 uh, this weekend. So... So you would yeah. certainly back uh, back uh, Levante to continue their good form there. It's quite a few good good games looking at it there, John. You got Elche, yeah. Cordoba. I mean, Cordoba, uh, Cordoba sitting in third as we speak, but uh, Elche moving up the table. Um, well, was it four all last week, Elche? And then yeah, I think it was actually, wasn't it? They, they that was the huge three yesterday. So. Yeah, so there's certain goals, certain in, that goals in that side. Goals in that side. Um, you've also got uh, uh, Valladolid and Zaragoza, two two big, two big famous names there playing off against each other. So yeah, 
Uh, and that looks like it's an early kickoff on the Sunday. So no doubt that's going to be one that they've earmarked to, to televise. So, and, and understandably so. So Oviedo Tenerife at eight o'clock. Uh, oh, I, I never know if I'm reading this out Spanish time or English time. Check with your check on the day, but I would imagine that's eight o'clock Spanish time. Um, Oviedo play host to Tenerife. Uh, I think Tenerife will probably be a little bit disappointed in the change of temperature when they, when they go up to Oviedo. On, a, on an October evening compared to what they'll be used to at the moment. But yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to be a massively entertaining game if we're starting to see how Hierro's setting up the side and with Tenerife's, uh, Tenerife's reputation. What do you think is going to do at the weekend? I probably th- I think he'll probably keep it the same, will he? I mean, four games unbeaten, there's probably no reason to change it, certainly. Certainly not drastically. Where was Verdi's yesterday? Was he injured or suspended? <laughs> To be honest, I didn't look at the substitutes list, so I don't know if he was even on, if he was on the bench. Um, no, I don't think he was. But uh, and I certainly don't recall hearing that he picked up a one-match ban or anything. I think there was actually quite a bit of surprise that Gill was in the side ahead of him. So, so I'm presuming that Gill's just been selected ahead of Berdes for that for for that one. Uh, Susueta made his comeback, came off the bench for the last half an hour or so, uh, got got quite involved. So he might be. He might be close to a recall. Yeah, um, I wonder with Tenerife's reputation whether you know they'll probably come for a point. I would have thought maybe he will, you know, be a bit more adventurous. You know, because there's probably not that much to lose going the other way. So I wonder. If he... Yeah, I'd, prob- I'd probably agree with that. It'd be interesting to see where he slots Susayta in though, um, because I mean he doesn't want to he doesn't want to lose too much defensive solidity in the middle of the park. I would have thought, and Arife played well yesterday. Um, and obviously Toro's been doing the slightly deeper role. So if he was going to play Suse at a central, then that would maybe suggest that Michu would miss out. And that's obviously not going to happen at home. So he, he could well then be looking at one of the front three positions. Uh, but I can't see him dropping Linares at the moment because again, he put in another excellent shift yesterday. And every time he goes central, he does look dangerous. I mean, he nearly scored another classic Linares goal yesterday. Which probably didn't make the highlight real because I think he got blocked before the the action really happened. But he looked oh, like he, he looked like he was he was well on the way. Totche, well, he's although he had a quiet game yesterday, he's clearly the number one pick as the striker, which means that uh, David is it David Rocha or or Nando seem to be rotating the position out on the left so far. But uh, yeah, but Nando came on for the last five minutes, I think it was yesterday. So so I think. Um, Hierro, I don't get the feeling Hierro trusts Nando to do the other side of the game as, as much as uh, probably Rocha does. So, uh, so it looks like Nando might be a horses for courses type player. So I don't really know where Susayeta might slot in immediately. No, well, that's the danger, isn't it? But these are tough decisions that he's going to have to make, and you know, I'm sure at some point, one at least one of the front three are going to have to make way. Yeah, but if you, if you, for me, if you slot, if you slot Suseta into a front three, um, then you, you remove, you're probably removing any pace that we do have up there, which is a bit of a worry. Um, cause I mean, Linares for all his, all his good stuff isn't exactly electric pace. Uh, Toshe isn't quick. Um, Rocha, not really seen him sort of have, have a go pace wise yet, but I would imagine he would be the one that would probably make way. If, uh, if Suseta was to slot in there. So, so you could be, you, you'd be losing the pace there. Michu, although very long legs, not quick. Um, we, we actually really don't have a, anybody electrically quick in the side. So, no. 
But uh, but then you have to suppose look at the quality. Uh, How did Mitsu play yesterday? For me, um, he he I suppose. To be nice, he did the defensive job and kept the shape the way that Hierro would have wanted to. It wasn't a natural game for Mitchell, I don't feel, because I mean, he's obviously happy doing his best work nearer the striker, but there was a lot of distance between uh, Mitchell and Toshe, uh, yesterday. Um, I mean, he certainly wasn't playing in the hole as he, as, as he, as you would expect him to. He was playing very much in a, in a flat midfield too. With, uh, with Toro sitting behind him. If anything, uh, maybe Arethe was sitting slightly more defensively than Michu, but Michu certainly, that doesn't mean then naturally that Michu was pushing further forward. Uh, all three were pretty sort of defensively structured yesterday. So it, it won't be a game that will ever really make Michu sort of, uh, greatest ever games, but he certainly did the job that was expected of him in terms of his defensive responsibilities yesterday. Yeah, it's not he was, really why you want him though, is it? I mean, it, it's not. No, it's 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 an, it's an interesting tactical choice, really. I mean, and he and Mitchy was replaced as well. Uh, I'm pretty sure, though, I was drifting in and out of the game by this point. I'm pretty sure that Suseta came on for Mitchy. Um, I, I just wonder, you know, because he's come back after virtually three years without playing. If you know, kind of, he started well, hasn't he? But I think you know, momentum or not momentum, you know, excitement at coming home, you know, kind of kept him going for the first few weeks. But I think we've got to remember how long he's spent out the game. So I just wonder maybe if we should use him more as like an impact sub, you know, until he fully finds his feet and fully gains match fitness. That's, that's, an, that's an, yeah, it's an, an interesting point, really. I mean, obviously, yeah, there would have been a lot of adrenaline for the first few games. Um, I personally, I just think it, we, we're not playing at the moment, Mitchu in a position where he's going to have his greatest impact. But then does that naturally lead on to a question of, well, to play him in, to play him in the position where he's going to have the most impact then affects the balance of the team. And we're, we're doing well playing with this shape. So do we sacrifice a bit of Mitchu's, um, natural game to, to, to make sure that the team performs better? I mean, when he's, when he's performed really, really well, they've been, it's been a, a much more open game, but then equally we've defended far worse. We, we did look very, very solid yesterday. So I, I yeah. see your point really. I mean, is it a case, is it a case of bringing him on as an impact substitute? Well, I doubt Mitchell will, would want that. Um, because I guess there's a lot of him that wants to prove that he can play 90 minutes. He wouldn't be the first player as he gets a little bit older to drop a little bit deeper in the game. Um, mm. And he's, I, I, I think he can influence a game from, from deeper, deeper in the pitch, but it would be a different type of influence a game to what he does when he's playing, obviously, just off the, just off the front man. So, but, but yeah, I, I guess, I mean, well, I would hope, and I'm sure that, that they are very much keeping an eye on his physicality and seeing, seeing how he is doing, but he looked disappointed to come off yesterday. So, so it would be sort of, uh, I think he was taken off for more tactical reasons than, than physical reasons yesterday. So. Mm. I suppose Sussiette is a, a good player to have as well, like a plan B, isn't he? You know, if, if the, certainly at home, if the tactic's not working well, you can put him out wide and just say, right, whip some crosses in, you know, and Tosche, Nietzsche, Linares in the middle, see if we can get any joy out of that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, the only caveat I would add to that is that if you're going to do that, you've then got to get the ball wide to him, uh, yeah. which uh, which is something that we have. Str- I mean, that still seems to be our most obvious way of scoring goals this year is get it wide, get it in the box. 
and we yeah. still don't seem to do that as often as as I, as as I personally would would like. But then you can't knock the fact that we're unbeaten in four in what is a very tight division. So teams that string together unbeaten spells are certainly going to find themselves at the right ta- right end of the table quite quickly. So it's been it's been very positive in in that respect the last the last few games, and we do genuinely apart from the set pieces which we put right yesterday, we do look solid in open play, and that is going to go a very long way as well. And I guess if you think sort of like if if you were to build a football team, well, naturally the first thing that you're always told a good manager should do is get the defence right first of all, uh, and he's he's clearly he's clearly getting that side of it. I just now hope that he adds a little bit of sprinkle on top in terms of what we're going to do going forward. But I've been saying that since the first game of the season. But That's Spanish what, Tony Pulis. Well, yeah, but then positive. I, 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 I genuinely mean that was a good point yesterday. It wasn't a game you particularly want to watch, but it was, it was a very, very good point against a tricky opponent. Yeah. So moving on, moving on. Uh, John, we've had some questions and comments from the listeners today. I wonder if that's got anything to do with it being a Sunday as opposed to a Monday. Uh, do you want to read out what we've got? Yeah, well, Rudy informs us that yesterday's referee may well be a, a Hihon fan as he was pictured wearing a, a Hihon polo shirt a few years ago. Uh, he wants to know, did that influence his performance or does it make any difference at all in the profession, in the professional game? Chris? Um, I I might be completely wrong. I'm sure people disagree. I didn't think the referee had any impact on yesterday's game yesterday whatsoever. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't think it made a particular difference. The bigger question is, does that make any difference at all in professional football? I mean, you got, you got United Liverpool tomorrow and there's been talk about Anthony Taylor being a United fan and whether he should then be ref- refing this game. I wouldn't. With him, sure. Is it you? Okay. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess common sense would suggest that you don't choose a referee that comes from the area of either of the two teams. I mean, they don't have an English referee refereeing England, Spain, and they don't have a Spanish referee refereeing Spain, England, for for example. But I would have thought the referees, uh, it's more than their job, life, reputation is worth to, to openly, openly favour a team where they come from um, or to favour to favour the opposition against your biggest rivals uh, of the team that you may allegedly support. So, so I don't know. I don't know. Good, good, good interesting spot though from, from Rudy. Um, and let's be honest, uh, the Spanish game is probably more open to, to that kind of stuff than, than some other games. Maybe, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, Anthony Taylor, he's from Widdenshaw, which is a suburb in Manchester. It's, but then Not surely that means he's going to be a City fan anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that, that, that's the point, isn't it? You, you would think, I mean, I grew up in Manchester. Most people who grow up in Manchester or any other city for that for that reason, you would think they have feelings one way or another towards the Manchester clubs. But but I guess at the end of the day, he's a professional, isn't he? And he if anything, you could wonder if he could go the other way, maybe. But yeah, but then by the same token, you would then question whether Jamie Carragher was going to put in a top performance for Liverpool because he was an Everton fan at heart, and the same for Steven yeah. Gerrard. I think there yeah. comes a point where that I would hope the professionalism kicks in, and you and you do you do the job. I mean, yeah, I I, I genuinely, I mean, I genuinely don't think personally that it um that it would influence anything anything either way. So, well, who was the next one? 
John? You would have thought he was a Port Vale fan the way he refereed us the other week, anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, no. Um, I mean, again, it, I think there's enough reasons you can point the finger at referees for being crap, but uh, I don't think it always comes down to their personal allegiance to what team they support. Yeah, you want to keep it in your in your head that you know they've been genuine, don't you? Because if they're not, it ruins the game for you, doesn't it? You know. Yeah. If you, do you think there's any corruption of any any form? So you know you hold on to the thought it's genuine, don't you? Yeah, I th- yeah, definitely. But I think also as football fans, typically any opportunity to blame the ref for our, our own team's deficiencies, we certainly jump on that quite quickly. So, Without a doubt. Um, <laughs> so, but I don't think it is often to do with the fact that well, he supports X, Y, Z, therefore he's been a, he's been a bit rubbish it towards. Wasn't, there, wasn't a, match, a referee removed from a match last year? Was it Leicester or Tottenham? I think, well, yeah, I think it was to do with Leicester, wasn't it? And mm. I think I think the guy just because he might have been to Leicester a couple of times in his life, I can't remember the referee's name now, but I think he came out that he's actually a Bristol City fan or something. Um, but again, this <laughs> is so, yeah, so, social media at its finest. Yeah, again, Clattenburg was removed from a game. Um, the other well, I, no, that's not strictly true. Let's let's do that again. Clattenburg called in sick for a for a Palace game uh, on a Friday. I can't remember who they were playing. But Palace had lost their last eight games or something where Clattenburg had been been referee and there was all this social media outcry to have him removed and then he called in sick anyway. So uh so yeah. Um but yeah, it's it's again social media, fans, quite often a bad combination. Um but anyway. Uh Paul Meller, he's a regular listener. Uh he's put thoughts on the game. I'm by no means an expert. Well, you're in good company there, Paul. <laughs> But but I thought Juan Carlos was very good yesterday and we defended set pieces well. I also thought Susieta made a good impact off the bench. Looked like a tough game, but a well-deserved point. So he's echoed your thoughts there, Chris. Pretty much. Actually, to be fair, I just took Paul's thoughts on the game and and used them at the top of the show. Right, fair enough. (laughs) Um, Anthony, who we met last week at the Ovid Easter night out, he's uh, getting more and more solid defensively. Apart from a great Juan Carlos save, they didn't threaten much. Solid foundation. So, again, I think we've touched on that. And the TWIF Catalonia, they've put hard slog for both teams. No clear-cut chances. Not sure meets you mobile or creative creative enough to play in the hole behind the striker. Chris? I think think that's an interesting point, that last bit. Um, Because, let's be honest, Michu has made his career playing off the off the striker. But again, that opens up the debate of, well, what do you want from the player playing in behind the striker? Actually, he wasn't playing in behind the striker yesterday. So, so it's kind of a mute point in that, in that respect. But generally, that is what Michu's known for. Um, mobile or creative? Well, that's not really what Michu's ever brought to the party in that role, is it? It's been about arriving late into the box and, and scoring the goals. So yeah, I'd, I'd actually probably agree. If you're looking for your number, for a player in that position, let's say a number 10 to be mobile and creative. Well, it was, it's not Michu and it never was going to be Michu. Um, but if you want, uh, if you want sort of like a, a, a shadow striker or somebody ghosting into the box, well, we've already seen that Michu's still got that in his locker. Um, my, my bigger question about Michu at the moment is whether he's, uh, whether it's about what the position he's playing tactically at the moment, playing a lot deeper, whether that's going to get the best out out of him or whether that's better for the team. So I'd actually be interested to throw that back out to to uh, this week in football Catalonia and see what they thought about, uh, think about Michu sacrificing some of his game for, for the greater good of the team. Yeah. 
Uh, moving on to photos from the listeners. We're going to send this one out uh, on the Twitter feed uh, after we finish recording. At Tom Mucklin 99 has sent in a photo of him in his Oviedo shirt holding the Champions League trophy at what looks like the Camp Nou. Cracking photo and who knows, maybe one day it might even happen for real. Uh, not Tom Mucklin holding it, obviously, because I, I, uh, without being offensive, I doubt he's ever likely to get a game in a Champions League final for Oviedo. But, uh, but hopefully one of the Oviedo players lifting the Champions League trophy, having won it at the Camp Nou. Uh, stories from listeners. Yeah, we'd really encourage these guys. It'd be great to know how some of the, some of you folks that do actually listen to us got involved in Oviedo in the, in the first place. Uh, but John Bush, uh, tells us how he got involved. Um, he was, uh, he, well, he saw Oviedo through Sid Lowe, um, as I think a lot of us probably did for the Telegraph. Uh, but, uh, he was too late to buy shares originally in 2012. He spent the next couple of years playing football manager and won the, won La Liga a few times, uh, with, with Oviedo. And then by the time the, uh, the shares <laughs> reopened again, uh, it was an absolute no brainer for him. So, uh, so a slightly different route to, to some of us, but those that know me quite well will always understand that I'll always respect anybody that spends a lot of time playing football manager. So, uh, so a very good way into, into the Oviedo family there for John. Any other news? Oh, the, hey? no, I was just going to say, I, I kind of missed the football manager thing. I think I must have missed it by a few years. I don't know, but I've never really got into it. Well, well, well let's, let's work out this few years thing here. How old are you? Uh, 39. Jesus, you had a hard paper round. Um, <laughs> 39, okay, so you're, you're a year older than me. So no, 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 I'm not buying this missed it by a few years thing. This was right in your, in your generational sweet spot. You probably had a life, unlike the rest of us. <laughs> but no, it's uh, it's uh, something that that I I do readily admit from time to time. A thirty-eight-year-old man probably shouldn't be spending so much time playing playing the game. But to be honest, it has got me the opportunity to live in Spain, so I'm not going to I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bitch and moan about it about it too much. Uh, anyway, oh, any any other news, John, that we that we should be talking about on this on this podcast? No, no, I think that's all for me. Thanks. Nothing, nothing else. I don't. I, I've not noticed anything else coming through. Obviously, we're doing this a day early, so uh, there's not really the opportunity for anything else to to really come through. Is it this Wednesday that the shirts go on sale? Seventeenth or the nineteenth? Seventeenth is tomorrow. Nineteenth is Wednesday. So I guess it'll be sometime this week, guys. Sometimes this yeah, week. I can't remember the exact date. It was definitely the seventeenth or the nineteenth. Yeah, yeah. I well, I, I don't know about you, but I'll hopefully be adding one to. To my collection, having missed out the last couple of years, be, I do quite like it. Get imported. I think I'll probably wait till I actually go over. How and, much and are probably they? Buy it there. Sorry. How much are they? I think they're about fifty, sixty euros. Um, but if you, to get it shipped over is probably another fifteen, twenty euros. I would really? have thought. So yeah, either you buy, you know, maybe a few of you chip in and buy a few things, and you know, save on the on the the postage that way. If only if only you knew yeah. someone in Spain that could get you the shirt and then send it over to you, that that would make life a lot easier. I think if you're a season ticket holder as well, you get it cheaper as well. So if you've got a, a friend in Spain, you know, well, yeah. we shouldn't we probably shouldn't really be endorsing that, should we? But well, no, no, <laughs> I, 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 honestly, honestly, fifteen quid to send a shirt from from Spain to England, that that yeah. is that's that is on the pricey side. I'm I'm not frightened of 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 calling it out when I think money's being made for no good reason. 
um, that's that's incredibly pricey. The bigger the bigger worry is actually if you send something from Spain, does it ever turn up in England or vice versa? Um, that's been that's been one of the bigger challenges we've had since we've been out here. But no, 50, 15 bucks to get something posted over. I'd expect one of the players to actually bring it over themselves for for that sort of money. Um, <laughs> the shirt itself kind of just fits into what most shirts cost nowadays, unfortunately. Um, so you, I, I think I think everyone is pricing those a little bit highly, let alone just Oviedo. So. Yeah, they are, they are expensive, aren't they? But, but, to be fair, they do look good this year, so I'd rather be paying 60 bucks for for this year's one than last year's one. And that's, that's, that's as good as £60 now with the, with the, the rate of the euro to the oh, pound. Don't, 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 don't even go there. It's absolutely yeah, crippling. Best off not to mention that. We could be on for another couple of hours. Yeah, no, definitely. Speaking of which, you've got the Basque Derby to go and watch, which kicks off shortly, uh, and uh, I'm sure... I need to spend the next couple of days making sure this podcast actually gets online uh, at the time that we would like it to. So that's all from us today then, folks. Uh, say goodbye, John. Yep. Bye, Chris. Uh, follow us at Rail Oviedo Pod. Find us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Uh, and if you do find us, please leave us a nice review because that helps other Oviedo fans actually find us. If you follow us on Twitter, please do retweet the podcast link because again, it helps people find us, uh, find us on Twitter. And who knows, they might even enjoy listening to John's Manchester accent. See you next week, guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>